Hi, welcome back to our second podcast for the Scoping Squad. Today, we're going to be talking about one of the most critical junctures for any data kind project. That is the point at which scopers and team members have fully evaluated a project and decided that they will officially take it on. You know that at this point, the scoper, perhaps yourself, has spent a bit of time doing a number of things, including things like assessing project ideas, gathering previous research and subject matter expertise, in addition to evaluating the project's technical feasibility and identifying ethical risk, and of course, much, much more. So now at the end of the design stages where documentation and scope management are instrumental in setting the project up for success. So today we'll be discussing the importance of wrapping up scoping and how a well-documented project will set you and your team up for success. I'm joined again by my colleagues at Datakind, Caitlin Augustine, Senior Director of Product, Rachel Wells, Senior Manager of the Center of Excellence, Emily Yelverton, our in-house data scientist, and Mallory Sheff, our economic resilience portfolio manager. Again, I'm Ben, also a PM at Datakind, and I'm here to guide the conversation and ask my colleagues some questions about scoping. Without further ado, let's hear from the team. To kick things off, I'm gonna start with wanting to know more about what is most important and your all's views and your all's experience, what's most important um, handing a scoped project to a team for execution? And I know, Caitlin, you probably live in this reality quite a bit. Um, I'd love to hear from you about why is that transition point very important? Sure. So um, I'll, I'll be kind of blunt and say that every project that I've seen at Datakind that has failed has failed because of an imprecise project brief. Um, this happened when I was a volunteer at Datakind and um, came into a project that was um, sort of half scoped, which meant that the volunteers and the partner um, both had different senses of success. Um, and then you add in the Datakind global team into the mix. We had three different views. Um, project worked out, but it also took 18 months. So, you know, when you talk about having good, cheap, or fast, uh, you know, I think we were good, uh, perhaps cheap as volunteers, but certainly not fast. Um, so we want to make sure through the playbook process that we ensure a good experience for volunteers, uh, a good experience for our partners, and that we begin to have sort of standards and norms that we can realistically say, we know how well scoped this project is, and we can say that it will take seven to nine months to do. Uh, because of the detail of the project scope and these three deliverables, it will take us four to six months to do. We want to be able to be that precise. Um, and I would say like when you talk, start to talk about project failure, projects fail because of ambiguity or, or misaligned expectations. And a well-developed project brief contains the answers there. It, it, gives a clear sense of the problem you're trying to solve, the recommended pathway to solve that, as well as the project plan that's agreed upon at the beginning. Now, it's not to say that things won't change. You, you might have time overruns. You, you might have uh, unexpected shifts in uh, partner ability to give you time. Uh, you might have new data uh, come up. That's great, but like if you have a strong foundation, you're then making changes to, uh, like, on the margins, you're not trying to recreate or reimagine what the project could be. Yeah, you had mentioned standards. Uh, Rachel, this is this is your reality. This is your sort of lived experience every day. What would you say in terms of creating those standards and, and what one would need to know when documenting and preparing for this transition? 
Oh, good question, Ben. Um, I love that. So yeah, I, I first I'd like to just agree with Caitlin and say that generally um, in response to your first question, what's most important in handing off a scope project, um, documenting everything in a project brief um, is definitely the most important. Um, but specifically overlaying that with um, with ensuring that all the standards are, are there and that we have quality assurance elements built into the scoping process. Um, all our scoping squad folks know all about the stage gates and the stage gates checklist and um, are, are using that to scope the project. Um, and so just referring back to the stage gates checklist as a resource uh, when you're writing the project brief and to remind you of all the important elements that you covered and important uh, checks that you made to make sure the team is ready to sustain a project, that the project is ethical and um, everything else that's really essential in scoping um, a, a great project uh, to, to be able to say, okay, I'm gonna look at the stage gates checklist. I know I, I checked for data inclusion. That was part of my data audit. Um, in order to ensure that uh, we're not excluding anyone systematically from the data in this data set. And um, I wanna make sure that that's, that's clear and, and that that's something that the executing team is aware of and able to, uh, to take into account when they're doing the project. And so writing that down in the project brief, and that's just one example of, um, we can also talk about success metrics and a plan for measuring success. So let's, let's write that down in the project brief. It's, a, it's another stage gate that we do. And um, each of those will enable the team, uh, the data core team or the, the group from the chapter that's going to complete the project to go back to that uh, North Star of what the truth for the project should be. Yeah, I, I love the point on stage gates, right? Like it's so important. And I think even later on in this conversation, we can talk about the iterative process that that um, is part of the stage gates. M Mallory, I'm, I'm wondering, because Rachel had mentioned about um, sort of documenting and, and making sure everyone is in line. I'm wondering if there's any risk involved, particularly on the idea of assumptions made by both parties, right? I know this is your work that you do in portfolio management. Yeah, that's such a great question, Ben. I think um, it's very important when handing off the scope project to the team that will actually be executing in this work to make sure that both parties really take the time to go through the brief in detail and make sure that everyone is aligned and truly understands this roadmap for execution. Um, taking the time to answer any questions, taking the time to make sure to add any last minute detail if needed. Um, I think one of the risks is really down the road, not having a strong handoff process and making and then realizing that the executing team is making some assumptions because something is unclear or they didn't really have the time to ask questions either to the team that was the technical leader that was scoping or even to the project partner and then implementing something that could then impact in um, risky approaches or unethical approaches. And so I think it's really important to think the handover part is truly important and to not shy away from asking questions and making sure that there's clear alignment between what is written there and what is actually understood. Yeah. And, you know, in terms of like, I think there's like the execution part um, and making sure both organizations have a clear understanding of, of of what is required, but Emily, as the data scientist, um, you you probably 
are, are very mindful of of what needs to be done in terms of technical feasibility you know what what might you have to to add to this yeah so i'll just i'll just reiterate how important it is that the project brief contained that that single source of truth for both the the partner and the the executing team because we we've run into situations in in the past you know it, both of these have happened before where um you know, we've gotten to the end of the project and the partner's like, okay, great. So we said we were going to have this thing and we haven't, where is it? And then we've also run into situations where the partner's really over eager and, and ask for something that, you know, is out of scope for the project. So it's, it's so important to have everything written down ahead of time in order to ensure that neither of those things happen, that both the, the partner and the executing team agree on the scope ahead of time. And that, that, that saves you so much headache down the road. Yeah, so I'm, I'm fully convinced that this transition period, but particularly the project brief, I, I think I heard from each of you how important the project brief is. Maybe we could talk a little bit about what actually is included in the project brief. Uh, for example, what elements may provide value or what elements may um, really anchor ourselves to having a successful and sustainable project. Uh, I'll turn it over to you, Rachel, since you work a lot on templatizing and, and making sure we all are adhering to these excellent standards. Um, yeah, absolutely. So the project brief, uh, there's a template for it that um, you can use uh, to get the summary of all the sections, but I'll just quickly say that it um, outlines uh, what we're doing, why we're doing it, and it, at a very high level, how we're doing it. Um, one thing I think is important to keep in mind um, with the project brief is that it's it's looking at um, not, this isn't like a detailed project plan that will go through step-by-step um, step every single task that the, the data science team will have to take to complete the project. Um, but it tells you what your, what your North Star is, what you're working towards, uh, why, what impact it's going to make with the partner organization, so why we're doing it. Um, it gives you the context, the background on what the partner organization does and how the partner organization intends to take it forward. So um, looking at sustainability planning for the future. And so uh, these things are so important to document because you um, you need to you need to know what the plan is for the future to build a, a product that will be useful in the future so that it's sustained at the organization um, and things like how are we measuring impact and um, what um, what what we'll need to be doing and even little things like the contact information for the who's who on on the partner on the on the project within the partner organization that valuable information you can think of maybe onboarding um it's a huge, not maybe, it's a huge resource for onboarding project volunteers to the project in order to complete it. Um, they can go back to it over and over again. Yeah, I like the the notion of impact measurement. Mally, do you have anything more to add on that? Maybe an example or really something that you've seen in terms of sustainability? Yeah, well, um, I think that the Obviously, there are so many important components in a project brief because the entire project brief is extremely important. But I think um, that two parts of the project brief that I really like to make sure are really critically detailed and that we have buy-in from the uh, project partner is the impact measurement. Uh, obviously, it is so important to know the impact and how we intend to measure the impact of the project so that we know whether or not it was successful. I think that that's extremely important and extremely important to set up with our project partner those 
those um, those measures in advance. Um, but I also think that another part of the project brief, which you'll see when you look at the template, you scroll down, it's a little bit further down, but it's the sustainability plan. And that is really critical. It is so important to make sure that when the executive team has finalized the project, whether it is developing a data visualization, whether it's a model, an algorithm, that there is a clear pathway to um, making sure that there's a sustainable way forward for the project partner to take that work forward, to feel fully, um, to full full ownership really of the work that was done in collaboration with Datakind. And I think that those two conversations, obviously the entire project brief will be co-developed and co-designed with the project partners, but those two conversations require particular attention. Yeah. Emily, you know, the sort of explicitness of of what and why, um, you know, I know Rachel and and Mallory both alluded to that. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I like for me, it's it's so important to to have that what and that why written down in in the project brief because it it you know basically summarizes the reason the entire reasoning behind why we're we're doing the project. Right, we're all. We're all very busy, you know, at Datakind, we're fairly selective about what projects we take on. And, and so laying out that why, and especially that why now, like laying that down, writing it in the brief really helps us to solidify that, that we are doing an impactful project, not only in general, but at the right time. Yeah, I, there's, I feel like there's a couple things here. There's the assessment, sustainability, and really the, the, the why, right, like in terms of impact, but you know, one thing that's often overlooked are um, considerations related to risks. Um, Caitlin, do you have any thoughts on this? I know you recently led a, um, a webinar on data ethics uh, today, so. Yeah, so I think that, um, uh, you know, our, our, our project brief has always sort of had a section on, on risks and, and it used to be a little pro forma, like, of course, one of the risks we always, um, want to be careful of our time delays. Um, but I think the actual building out of that risk section and ensuring that level set and aligned on when communication with project partners is key. Um, project partners, uh, you know, come to us for, for guidance and, and technical assistance, and they might not know what it means to say, like, the risk is that your data might not be rich enough to do this. So, so actually spending time in that risk assessment section, first to, to lay out risks to project success, which might be more aligned to data sources, might be more toward like the ecosystem when which the solution's working, but also then um, like the risk mitigation plan for sensitivities. So um, Mallory mentioned sustainability. Um, there, there are definitely risks associated with um, any sustainability plan, right? So like if you're building a tool, how do you um, build sustainability of hosting that tool into it? Um, and so taking the time to uh, actually enumerate what the risks are and the risk mitigation strategies, and then ensuring that you and your project partner have those hard conversations early on so that it's not a surprise when uh, you know you come back two months later at the EDA presentation and it's like, well, we we found that the data was really tiny and we had to completely change our approach. 
um, you know, that, that that's not the first time they're, they're hearing of that, that they, they understand we have a, a method of evaluation and a way of moving through a project that, that allows us to ensure, you know, this like greater good success. Yeah, I'm gonna focus here a little bit on risk since this is such an important conversation. What other types of risks really need to be managed during not necessarily the project brief, but the general transition from designing a project to preparing it for execution? Um, Mally, I'll, I'll sort of pose this to you first. Yeah, it's such a great question, Ben. I think um, what you've heard throughout the course of this conversation is that the project brief is really this single source of truth, this roadmap for execution that is really important to make sure to guide you towards your work. And let's not forget also that we are working with a project partner. We are designing with them. And so it's really important to ensure communication with the project champion and make sure that they feel that they not only understand the project brief, but also feel that they've contributed to the project brief in a way that they feel represented, uh, in a way that they feel um, that this makes sense for their organization. This makes sense with regards to their timelines and timeframes. Um, I think, you know, of course, um, it's easy for us to think, but we are the experts here. Well, actually, no, let's really not forget that the project partners have expertise and truly understand the work that needs to be done and make sure that this roadmap for execution is collaborative from the very beginning and making sure that there is this collaborative development of the roadmap for collaborative development of the actual execution of the work. Yeah, and we haven't even really touched much on, on data risk. Um, how does that translate into the preparation? So I, I would say that, you know, people people tend to get, you know, really excited when they're when they're working on a brief. They want to just kind of get it over with and, you know, get on with the actual execution of the project, which is totally understandable because the execution is the the exciting part. But um, I would really want to to caution that by rushing this process and not, you know, completing a thorough data audit, for example, you you are running the risk of missing something in the data that might be critical to the success of the project. So making sure that you really take your time during that process and, you know, being explicit about when you're doing your data audit, really looking for when you're writing out the goals of the project, trying to delineate between like, you know, what you think is almost certainly achievable via the data that you have versus what, you know, might be possible given a few caveats versus, you know, we don't really know if this is possible. We are going to need to progress through a few other stages of the project before we, you know, can make that call for sure. Definitely. So, so many things to consider and so important that the project brief is completed. I'll sort of uh, raise this question for all of you. What are your recommendations or suggestions for scopers who are writing briefs? You know, what goes in, what doesn't go in? How should it read, for example? Um, Mallory, what are your what are your thoughts with, to this? This is uh, such a great question, Ben, because I'm actually in the process of developing my very first project brief. So I think, the question that I keep in mind every time is really thinking about what will be most helpful for both the executing team and the partner. I think Rachel has done a tremendous job of providing us with a template of all of the key elements that would be truly helpful in a project brief. And let's not forget that 
if you develop a project brief that's extremely detailed and 15 pages long, no one will really have the time or the chance to read that entire 15 page brief, no matter how detailed and really thorough and comprehensive it is. So I think that following the template, obviously understanding if there are additions that need to be made to support the project partner, to support the executing team's work are important. Um, but I think also just remembering that we at DataKind Global are always a resource, especially uh, Rachel and Ben. And so if there are any questions, uh, I know I have many uh, to turn to them for some guidance and some advice. Oh, yeah, that's um, definitely Rachel's work is critical in spearheading all of those templates and um, excellent standards. Um, Emily, what are your thoughts on um, suggestions for scopers? Um, so I, I will reiterate, and I know, you know, Caitlin has feelings about this too, but I will just reiterate again, the importance of the data audit and also in making sure that you have enough conversations with the project partner ahead of time before you start writing things down, just to make sure that you understand, you know, where they exist in their space, what their needs are and, and you know, what they, hope to get out of this project, the more conversant you are with all of that stuff before you start writing it down, the easier it will be to write down and the, the brief will be both, you know, concise and rich. Yeah. Um, Rachel, knowing that you and I work closely on on the project brief and, and sort of COE standards, you know, what suggestions may you have? Yeah, um, well, one thing I I, I agree with everything everyone has said, but one thing that we haven't really talked about yet that I think is worth mentioning is that um, all of all of the resources that we create and the templates um, and the best practices and the stage gates and the stage gates checklist, all of these resources are, are meant for you to make your life easier, to um, make our work better. Um, and are meant to be improved by you. Um, we've used volunteer feedback and volunteers insight in the creation of all of these and want to continue to iterate on everything. Um, at DataKind, we believe strongly in co-creation and uh, in constant iteration to improve all of our resources. And so um, as you're reviewing these materials, and um, writing project briefs and learning lessons from uh, what you find as you do this. Um, please share your feedback back with us so we can improve um, and, and make things better. The, the project brief, um, people have given really positive feedback on how effect effective it is. Um, and that's only because it's been iterated so many times from so many different learnings. And so we want to continue to always make it better and continue to iterate and incorporate your learnings into all of these resources. So just wanted to make a plug for that. Um, but I'll also mention that I the, the risks piece is, is so important that came up earlier. Um, you probably recall in the design stage, we have stage gates on conducting a risk and ethical assessment and um, evaluating data inclusion risks, creating mitigation strategies, considering the accountability communities impacted and um, creating a pathway to sustainability and looking at project specific responsible data science standards for uh, evaluating the end product and for evaluating your models along the way. So since all of that is part of the design process and part of us deciding whether it's appropriate to do a project, um, from an ethical standpoint and an impact standpoint, 
um, it's really important that we have all of this well outlined and in the project brief so that it can um, we can work through it throughout the throughout the rest of the project. You know, I started this conversation not realizing how much we can really dig into, um, particularly just on that that microcosm, that that small piece between the design and and prepare stage. But I wanted to end here and and ask you all, um, for those of you who have um, other insights or or comments, but just some tips or or uh, remaining thoughts about the importance of this and and how a scoper, particularly a first time scoper, should approach this this stage. I can add one more thing. Um, I think an important part of the project brief is also understanding what it isn't. Um, so the, the project brief does not outline the technical project plan. That information can be on GitHub, Asana, or in whatever task management software our project manager decides to use. Um, and it's also not the document that summarizes why Datakind decided to pursue a project. So that is what the StageGates checklist is all about. Um, as you know, in the StageGates checklist, there's space for you to uh, write down what happened with each StageGate to document the results of each StageGate. Um, and that is how you can explain Datakind decided to pursue this project because we evaluated all of these ethical considerations. We looked at data security. We looked at technical feasibility. We thought through sustainability plans. We have a measurement plan. We did all the stage gates and we're, we're ready to pursue the project. And the stage gate checklist is gonna be uh, the source of truth to always consider that. And so that leaves the project brief as the place to have a shared agreement between Datakind and the project partner on the scope, um, what resources are available and who's responsible for what, what to have that single version of the truth and North Star for um, both the project partner team and the Datakind team. I think it's also important to think, you know, there that project briefs are intended to be iterative um, and I have found it to be exceptionally valuable to start from the concept note or opportunity brief to start to put pen on paper and work to like faster alignment with a partner. Um, so rather than waiting for a like a fully baked idea to to start to engage um, from the the earliest discovery conversations and then to evolve that. So if that concept note say turns into a project for a data dive, which is you know. A, a way that you could operate through a data audit um, that might that might be a, a more uh, robust version of an opportunity brief or perhaps a lighter weight version of a project brief but um, just just to the scoping squad knowing that there are levels and there's sort of an, an intent to be iterative um, that I would really recommend you know engaging with and um, you know ex uh, understanding how each of the steps, of this project design process fit together and how um, you can use each of those steps to to continue to these endpoints of like trust within with a partner alignment with a partner um, exploration that gets you to a, a level of confidence with the project that that you will be ultimately proposing as a data core project. So that's our quick discussion to connect the dots between project discovery design and preparation phase. And having listened to this conversation again, I can really appreciate how we barely scratched the surface and that there is much, much more to say on Datakind project sustainability. We'll continue to explore these next steps and building them into our conversations, but we hope that this discussion has been helpful and if anything, convincing on how important the Datakind project brief is. 
Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to future conversations.